This Sunday, we are returning to a series that we began back on March 15th called, Is That in the Bible? We're looking at statements that people make that may or may not come from uh, the Bible itself. We're going to look at that and, and weigh and measure whether or not those statements are in the Bible. But before we do that, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, I pray that you would meet us at this time, in this moment, wherever we are. Lord, um, we long to be here. We long to be worshiping together. But Lord, as we worship in our own homes, we are worshiping together. We are learning together. We are the body of Christ, even though we might uh, be experiencing uh, sheltering in place and social distancing. And Lord, I pray that you will meet every one of us where we are today at this moment. And so, Lord, speak from your word. Encourage us, challenge us, grow us, deepen us to be the children you want us to be, to be the followers of Jesus that we can be. Meet us this day, we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people, wherever you are, said, Amen. When we began this series, we noted that every believer is a theologian. Now, that may not be something that we're comfortable describing ourselves as, but it's true. Every one of us is and ought to be a theologian. Now, theology comes from two Greek words, theos, God, logia, study of. And so a theologian is someone who studies God, and that's something we all do. We are all students before the master. We are all disciples of the Lord. We are those who study the divine. We are theologians. And the goal of a theologian is to accurately understand who God is as God reveals himself to us through the scriptures. So our goal as a theologian is to accurately understand who God is, understand our world, understand faith, and how to rightly apply that to our lives and to our world. We also noted last time that bad theology, such as the prosperity gospel, can lead to erroneous faith, which leads to erroneous actions. Bad theology can lead to bad faith. So how we understand God as he's revealed himself in the scriptures is something all of us need to uh, take on as something important for us as Jesus followers. This morning's statement that we're going to look at is one that I think is, is quite appropriate for where we are today, this sheltering in place. A statement that is probably very familiar to you. The statement is this, God never gives us more than we can handle. God never gives us more than we can handle. Now, how many of you have, <laughs> wait, there's no one here. Um, at home, how many of you have said this or heard this, or maybe you have it on a card or someone sent an a encouraging email to you and they noted this, God never gives us more than we can handle. That sounds good. No doubt about it. That sounds good. It sounds like something the Bible would say. It sounds like something Jesus would say or Paul or, or David. So is it in the Bible? Does the Bible say God never gives us more than we can handle? And the answer is no. It's not in the Bible. Now I can imagine some of you are thinking, 
are you sure? Maybe you're just sheltered shock because this certainly sounds like it's in the Bible. Or some of you might ask, what about 1 Corinthians 10, 13? That, that is a great question. In fact, I've always said we have such a smart, um, we have such smart media people. That's a great question to ask. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. In chapter 10, Paul is addressing an issue that the Corinthians are struggling with, and that is spiritual pride. Uh, it was one of the most gifted churches. It's where we get a major gift list, a spiritual gift list from. Uh, Paul's writing to the 1 Corinthians. It's uh, a church that was blessed by God spiritually, but they began to be a little proud of that and showed some spiritual arrogance. Paul's addressing that and encouraging them to, to resist the temptation to have pride, spiritual pride or spiritual arrogance. He says this to them, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to humans. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, as you look at that verse and as you heard me read it, you may be thinking, see, the Bible does say God won't give you uh, something you can't handle. He'll only give you what you can handle. Let's look at this verse a different way. I want to uh, just make some uh, notations, if you will, about how we translate this verse. All right, we're going to look at how this verse is translated. Uh, first of all, the word temptation that Paul uses here is a Greek word that can also be translated trials or difficulties. Difficulties, trials, or temptation, same word. What determines the word choice you use is the context in which it was used. The context here is definitely temptation. You could use the word trial, you could use the word difficulties, but it's more accurate uh, to use the word temptation. Paul says that God will provide a way out. And here I think uh, the translators fall short of what the Greek word means because this sounds almost as though God will, will get you out of it. That you're gonna reach a point just at the edge of your limit just at the edge of what you can handle, and then God lets you escape. He'll provide a way out. The Greek word used here is a word that literally means the path between two peaks. Uh, another translation of the word is a defile, which is a description of a terrain, a trench, a, a pathway that's so narrow, you have to walk in single file. So Paul isn't saying that the Lord will give you a way out. What Paul is saying is that he will give you a way through the temptation, the trial, or the difficulty. The third thing we need to note about the translation of this verse is that Paul uses no punctuation. He doesn't have any periods. And so it's left to the translators to decide where the punctuation will go, when to put a period to a sentence. The problem with that is that it can be misleading then. For instance, this is where the translators put the period. He will not let you be tempted 
beyond what you can bear, period. So that makes it seem like, there you go. God will never give you more than what you can bear. But there isn't a period there. In fact, if you look at the transliteration of that verse, and transliteration means you take a Greek word and you simply translate that Greek word with an English word and you keep all of it in the exact place that the Greek word is in Paul's writing. The transliteration of this verse reads this way. Temptation you not has seized. It kind of sounds like Yoda, doesn't it? You know, mm, temptation you're not seized, if not what's common to humans. <laughs> Who knew that? Uh, <laughs> that's good. I'm saying that to myself. Um, Who knew that Yoda was a Greek transliteralist? All right. Let me try again. Tem- it's hard to do this without doing Yoda. Temptation you not. I'll get there. Hang on with me. Let's take it from not what is common to humans. Faithful now God who not will allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but will provide with the temptation also a way through to be able to endure. My point here is without a period, Paul's emphasis is not on the end of what you can endure or handle but that God provides a way through in the temptation while it is beyond your abilities. He says again that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will provide with the temptation. In other words, God doesn't release the temptation. He doesn't remove the temptation. He provides for you a way through it. Another way to say it, I think, is this. God will not let us be tried, tempted, face difficulties beyond what we can endure without providing his resources to deal with it. God will not let us be tried beyond what we can endure without providing his resources to deal with it. Uh, You could put it another way. God will let us be tried beyond what we can endure, but will provide his resources to deal with it with it. And that, that is in the Bible. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes this in chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even life. See what he says there? Far beyond our ability to endure. God allowed him to face difficulties that were beyond his ability to endure. He goes on to write, indeed our hearts, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. Notice what he says there. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What Paul is saying here is that they reached the limit. 
the limit of their ability, the limit of their endurance. You know, some people can handle difficulties better than others. Uh, Paul was able to handle crises and difficulties and pressures incredibly well, but he had a limit. Everyone has a limit. And what he says here is that God didn't release him of that pressure. God didn't let up the pressure that Paul was feeling. Instead, God gave Paul his strength, his power, his resources. And Paul describes them here, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but rely on God who raises the dead. What Paul is saying here is that God's power and resources can't be stopped. They're not limited, even by death. They're not limited. He went on to say in 2 Corinthians, um, this time chapter uh, 12, that he too struggled with spiritual arrogance. He wrote this to them. He said, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I shared with you that on a trip to Uganda, I experienced a miracle. I experienced exactly what Paul is writing here. That in my weakness and my difficulties, I experienced God's power. Before we left on the trip, I was just starting to, to get sick. I could feel a chest cold coming on and um, I thought I could kind of get rid of it. I took a, a series of antibiotics. A week into our experience there in Uganda, it got worse. I took another series of antibiotics and that didn't help at all. Uh, it got to the point where I, I couldn't take a breath without coughing. I had trouble um, just getting through sentences without coughing. Couldn't sing and worship because I'd end up coughing. And on the, the last Sunday we were there in Uganda at this church, I was uh, voluntold that I would be preaching. And I thought, I, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I, I can't speak without coughing. I'm, I'm struggling to breathe. When we were singing in worship before the message, I, I had to stop singing. I, I couldn't participate because I was coughing so much. And, and yet when I, when I stood up there and next to the translator, for the next 45 minutes of that service, I had absolutely no problems breathing. I didn't cough once through the entire message. I experienced what Paul is saying. I have to admit, I'm not quite to the point where I delight in weaknesses, but I know God's strength when you are at the end, when you have nothing left. God's powerful. It reminds me of a little boy 
who was watching his dad lift weights in the gym and went over to the bar and he said to his dad, dad, do you think if I use all my strength, I can lift this? And his dad looked at him and he said, son, if you use all your strength, I think you can lift it. So a little boy hunched over the bar and he gritted and he grunted and he groaned and he just, oh, he couldn't lift it, couldn't budge it. And he said, dad, I guess I'm just not strong enough. His dad walked over to him and he said, okay, tell you what, let's try it again. This time use all your strength. And so as the boy bent down and grabbed the bar, his father came up behind him and grabbed the outside of the bar as well. And together they lifted it and then dropped it down. And his dad said, see, you can lift it if you use all of your strength. And I, I am part of your strength. And that's really what God is saying to us. I am your strength. So that when you reach the end, I'm there with my strength for you. This past week, I was Zooming with the pastors. Now, there's a... COVID-19 word that didn't exist before this. I was uh, Zooming with the pastors and we were just talking about our database that is cloud-based, which means that we can access it anywhere we are on any of our uh, electronics. And how great that we had just gotten that database about a year ago. And we were talking about our website, Just a few short months ago, we uh, went to another company and uh, changed our website, a much more vigorous, powerful website that's allowed us to be able to have church online and devotions online and student ministries and children's ministry curriculum online for you. And we talked about how we have all the equipment that we need to be able to tape worship services and messages and get them out to people to have church online. We talked about the timing of bringing on certain staff, our, our media staff and our web master. Uh, just in the last couple of months, a year, that we've added key people that were really um, uh, helped us, enabled us to be able to do what we're doing. A worship staff that, uh, that can go with the flow and create a worship experience on very little notice. And we thought, you know, 18 months ago, a lot of that was not in place. And I sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek said to them, you know, it's almost as if there's a God. This did not come as a surprise to God. God was ready enabling us. On March 22nd, I shared a message that I really believe came from God. And that was that God has equipped Christians for such a time as this. We have, through God, what we need, even when we are at the end of what we can do. When I take walks in my neighborhood during this time of sheltering in, I pray for all the neighbors as we, as we walk by. Sometimes I'll look in and see if there's a family at the dinner table, if people moving around. And I wonder what, what this experience has been like for them. I wonder about those that are struggling in their marriage. Do they feel trapped in a home with a person they don't love? And what that must feel like. I think about the families that are dysfunctional. 
that are in pain. What must this be like for them? I think about the, the parents of young kids where they're now taking on the role of teacher, uh, events coordinator, creating activities and games, doing everything they can not to, uh, uh, to help the kids from boredom as well as stay up on schoolwork, uh, being upbeat so that your kids aren't afraid while you are feeling overwhelmed and tired and exhausted. And I wonder, do they have Jesus? How can you do this without Jesus? Why wouldn't you have Jesus if you know his power and his strength? Someone once said, and I I believe this is true, that when you reach the end of your rope, you've just found the beginning of God's. When you reach the end of your rope, you have just found the beginning of God's. God will never give us more than we can handle. That is not in the Bible. But what is in the Bible is so much better. What is in the Bible is that God will let us be tried beyond what we can endure but will provide his resources to enable us to deal with it, to make our way through this. We have probably 11 more days of sheltering in place, maybe more. 11 more days. Let me say to you, Christian, we've got this. I don't mean we. Well, there's no one here except three wonderful media staff. We, by that I mean you and the Lord, we've got this. So when you feel like you're at the end of your rope, when you feel like you're at the end of your endurance and ability, look to the Lord, look to Jesus and say, we've got this, right? And you'll hear him say, yes, we've got this. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for providing for us Thank you that you know where we are limited. Not just as humans. You know us personally. You know exactly where each and every one of us has our limit. And Lord, you have promised that you will meet us at that point with all your power and all your grace, and all your peace. What you said to Paul, you say to us, my grace, my strength, my peace, my patience is sufficient for you. And Lord, we pray 
We pray that we would find that. That we would find that in our weakness, we are strong. Because we've got this through you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. All by myself.